Well, Father Jonathan, it's good to be on the same set of readings again. We are. How was your, uh, what'd you call it? Your, your, what? your money? <laughs> what? <laughs> I had the... Uh, it wasn't no, like Bishop's no, no, Appeal? No. This was the opening mass. Oh, your Synod yeah, of Synods. Yeah, for the Synod of Synodality. So that started <laughs> the process in Miami, was the mass that I celebrated at my parish. Mm-hmm. It didn't start the process in Miami, but the Miami Archdiocese. Your parish started the synod. No, that that's not amazing. exactly what happened. Uh, what happened was that the archbishop <laughs> wanted uh, every parish in the archdiocese to have a mass to open the synod. Um, and so mm-hmm. he had his own mass at the cathedral, but we had our mass at the 1130 that I celebrated, um, which is great. Yeah. And, and hey, to celebrate the mass, it was kind of fun. Like we started at the, at the entrance to the church. I opened the doors to the church and then started with like a renewal of baptismal vows um, and then a sprinkling rite and all that. But the readings, as we talked last week, were different, you know? And so since the readings were different, I uh, felt kind of bad for the people. So I had to kind of explain at the beginning of Mass, like, if you're following along on your, in your missalette, like, sorry, like, <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to be using the readings that you probably prepared. Um, now, was it just for that one Mass? Yeah. So you had to pre- prepare yeah. two homilies? I did not because that was the only mass that I celebrated this weekend. Oh. Other than other than a wedding that I had on Saturday night, and so I had a homily mm-hmm. for that. Um, but that that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> so this mass, though, it went actually really well, I think. Uh, and the reading that I focused on was the gospel that we talked about a little bit, which is the road to Emmaus. Um, and so, even though it would have been nice to, t- to bring in the stuff that was for the twenty ninth Sunday, I decided to just focus on Emmaus. And my biggest takeaway, like my biggest line, was. Uh, you know, the early Christians called Christianity, you know, following the way. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the synodal path is walking together on the way. And so the whole point Boom. of the road to Emmaus is uh, that sometimes the church can walk in the wrong direction. Yep. There it is. That's my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. As and, I think you know. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I harped on that for a long time and how even, and then like the hopeful sign too, is that even when we walk in the wrong direction, Jesus walks alongside us, you know? That's right. Um, That's right but that this synodal process is an opportunity for us to encounter the risen Christ, to turn around and walk in the right direction and run back to Jerusalem because the church is on the wrong path, is what I said. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thing that I don't think that we think about really hardly ever at all, that Jesus will walk with us even though we're going in the wrong direction. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, like there's this assumption that if Jesus is with us, then we're going the right way. And it's like, okay, I mean, there's truth to that, and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, destroy that and say, well, you know, Jesus is going to walk with us into, you know, damnation or whatever. But like, he's not gonna, he's not gonna treat us like children, and say you're doing the wrong, like hit us on the nose. No, right, go this right, way. Right, right. You know, like. Right. Hopefully, it's his presence that will help us to realize right. that we're walking in the wrong direction. Well, which is precisely what happened. And that we yeah. decide... Yeah, is, which is exactly what happened with Emmaus. Exactly. I love that. Um, yeah. And so... And I, and, I, and I did take the gloves off a little bit this time. And I, and I did say very, like, boldly that, you know, as individuals, but also as a, as a, as a church, we often are walking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And you know, the church does walk in the wrong direction a lot of times, and we need to turn around. And this is what the synodal process is about, um, is listening to the needs and the movements of the Holy Spirit within each of us so that we can come to a recognition of how our hearts can be set on fire by the Lord, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, it was good. It was good. I'm glad to preach Emmaus, and 
Um, it broke my continuity and my YouTube page, you know, with all the <laughs> the Sunday readings. But it's okay. It's <laughs> it was a nice it was a nice uh, interruption. How about you? Did you get to go to mass today yet? I well, I did. I go to mass every Sunday, Father. Mm. I did not go to a parish. Okay. So no, uh, no instance of the homily being important. No, I mean I was thinking a lot about it and talking with some guys in the house. You know, just uh, I was burned a couple of weeks ago. If I'm being entirely honest, in what sense? Uh, you know, you know, you know that I've been going around looking for parishes to to get plugged in with, mm-hmm. and there was just one that I went to. It was a beautiful space, but it was a 17 minute homily. Wow! And 17 minutes of not good. Wow. Wow. And so it's like, if I'm thinking this, think of what the regular person in the pew is thinking. Well, actually, the regular person in the pew is probably saying like, "This is normal," and you're oh, the one. God, you're the that's the worst, and that's the worst. Yeah, like you and I are sensitive to it more so perhaps than others because we know that there's another way. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm. I have been a little tentative going back out. Like I don't want to get caught in that again. Yeah, man. No, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Uh, and sure. I have the, the, the benefit of, like, I don't have to do that. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. I can do this at home, which is yeah. what I did. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you, man. I got you. Uh, well, good. So, anyway, let's just jump into this set of readings for this upcoming week. You, uh, you got something off the bat? I do. So, so this reading of Blind Bartimaeus, it's one we've all heard so often before. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Uh, and the thing that I think we often focus in on like you know when we when we realize that we're being clever we're like aha it's not uh uh jesus wasn't curing him of his sight per se you know is your faith that saved you go go your way and with that he received his sight okay great but what was really struck me this time was uh Everybody was calling out. He was crying and like, every, you know, there's confusion all around. And then they called the blind man. Hmm. They called Bartimaeus. They said, Jesus calls you. Mm-hmm. And so this, this movement that I was really struck with was this, this idea that, yes, Jesus calls each and every one of us. Absolutely. But if I only ever... If it only ever stays in that realm of me and Jesus, then I'm missing out on my relationship with the church, which in this situation is the people calling forth from each and every one of us something. Yeah, yeah. And so I think this really, there's this really subtle movement here of, yes, there's a relationship between Bartimaeus and Jesus, don't get me wrong, but there's an equally interesting relationship between the people that are at first criticizing and then saying, wait a second. Jesus wants something more, and so let us call forth from this man something that he may not even know. Well, okay, but uh, so what's interesting, though, is that the change in the disciples, or the people, the people were rebuking and then telling him to be silent, and they change after Jesus commands them. Yeah, call him. And so there's almost like there's a conversion that happens in them. Yeah. Too, Yeah. You know? Yes, yes. So, like, who's being healed in this story? Like, <laughs> like there's, there's another nuance there, too, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. No, yeah. that's for sure. I love that. I love that. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's this whole idea that we, you know, because we are the ones that are following in Jesus' coattails, that we are, you know, that we are, the, we are the chosen. We are the ones that 
that are freed from this, you know, from being condemned or whatever. Right, right. But even there, Jesus is calling to conversion. Yeah. It reminds me of the... um not to preach on a different gospel, but it just reminds me of like when with the Syrophoenician woman, that was the first gospel that I preached as a priest. And uh, I remember it fondly just because it was the disciples who were being very kind of like strong about like, don't, don't talk to this woman, you know, like this yeah. woman, you know, you don't give food to the dogs and all that. Um, and it was Jesus also correcting and teaching the disciples of how not to be closed off, you know, to these other people, you know? And so, the disciples needing to grow and letting Jesus teach them through their rejection of somebody else. And so like here they're rebuking this blind man and saying, be quiet. And then Jesus says, "Uh, -uh. (laughs) like call this man to me. And in that process, like there's a healing that happens in them as well. Yeah. And it's also interesting that they say, take courage, Mm -hmm. take courage. And I, you know, and as you're, as you were talking, it, I, I just got the sense that they were, in a sense, talking to themselves. Mm. Like, we've just been spoken down to. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we were yeah, yeah. rebuking this man, and Jesus is saying, no, shut up, call him. Right. Okay, courage. Jesus is calling you, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know you know what's, what, like, okay, so, just pivoting really quick. I, to be honest, like, the first reading and the second reading are not grasping me right away. So, this this is a gospel that I can see myself just like, with the Emmaus story, or like we had the rich young man two weeks or last week, like these are great stories for prayer, like that we often pray with a lot when we go on retreat, like these very vivid uh, stories. Like this is one of those stories where I find just like the rich young man um, or the Samaritan, you know, the good Samaritan, where it's like so easy to enter into the nuance, the detail, the there's so much like meat on the bones of these texts where I could even see like a whole homily. You can really focus in on a lot of the even single words and details on this, like. You know, he threw aside his cloak. Like, you could preach yeah. a whole homily around what, like, throwing aside his cloak. What does the cloak symbolize, you know? Um, springing up. Why not standing up? Why not getting up? Mm. He springs mm. up. Um, mm-hmm. And then he came to Jesus. Like, that's the gospel. That's the whole good news is come to Jesus. Come to the water. You know, well, so... Well, and this whole question of what sight actually is. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, and so the, the blindness of the crowd and the blindness of this man. Mm-hmm. Like, who's really the blind man, you know? Um so one other thing, uh, so that was, I'll just put a pin in that and just say that I think that there's a lot in this gospel that you can really pray with, but also end up preaching just by focusing in on single lines and single words, just because it's so vivid. Um, the other thing I was just going to mention to you, I can't ever read this gospel without remembering something I learned in, in our theology studies, um, which I wouldn't preach on, but it's just always in the back of my mind, is that this is the second healing of a blind man in Mark. And that Mark uses that literary device often to sandwich events between similar accounts. So like, Mm -hmm. so he'll put two blind stories, but then in the middle, he'll put a lot that has to do with a theology of sight, like how to come to see Jesus as he really is. So between the two blind narratives, you have the confession of Peter that Hmm. Jesus is the Messiah. And you also have the transfiguration, you know, that the coming of the, like, the brilliance of the, like, divinity of Christ, like, that's true sight. Seeing his divinity, seeing his messiahship is sandwiched between these two blind stories. So I wouldn't preach on that because it's getting a little bit lost in the, like, exegetical, but I think there's something there in the background that's very helpful. Well, I think you could, you know, and that's something that I was actually really drawn to in our, to take a a page from your book, from the Alleluia verse. Uh, from Second Timothy, I was really struck by this phrase and brought life to light. Hmm. 
and brought life to light. Like that's huge when you sit and uh, like, just like you were saying, many of these phrases from, from our gospel, you could just sit with and even preach from. Yeah. Like, I think that's another one. And, brought, and not even like our savior, Jesus Christ destroyed death and brought life to light through the gospel. Like that whole phrase, that whole sentence is huge right? to begin right. with. But I was really struck by and brought life to light. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the themes of sight is, is pulled into that. Obviously, you know, brought life is huge for, for the gospels, like what it means to actually live. Yeah, I think Actually, there's so much there. I want you to keep going on that though, because the one word that you haven't focused on yet in that phrase is "to." So, like, to bring it to light, like, there's a dynamic right? there. Of, no, for sure, for of sure, the coming yeah. forth that I think is very powerful. Yeah, it's not just that that we bring life. Like, that's that's kind of human nature. That's what we do. That's what we're best at. But it's bringing that life to the light, to the light mm. of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's there's something hugely, hugely profound there that I think we can forget so often because we're so inundated with, you know, we need to focus on the natural <laughs> world that we that we forget about the supernatural. I mean, you yeah, know, I bring yeah. this up often. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I'm chuckling because you're gonna you're gonna love this. You're gonna love this. Okay, I looked up that citation because if you notice, it's not a verse from scripture. It says, "CF to uh-huh. Timothy one ten. Which means, check out that verse, because it's similar to that. Uh, 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 and what it says is, uh, it says, uh, Our Savior Christ Jesus destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. Ooh. To Ooh. light through the gospel. Ooh. Like, that's the only thing they cut was and immortality. Wow. <laughs> it's like, why did you cut that? Like, wow, that changes things. Well, I mean, not drastically changes things, but there's an, there's an eternity in that, yeah. quite literally. It's not just he brought that, life to light. He brought life yeah. and immortality. Yeah. Oof. Man. <sighs> there's your homily. I think you, like, you would probably do well on a homily like that. I think so. I mean, like that. this question, Master, I want to see. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean by that? Like many people see, many people live a long time. Mm-hmm. But here's what it means to see in the light. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I guess maybe another way to look at this on the <clears throat> other side of it is like, does this imply that life and immortality were in darkness? You know, that they were in darkness and through the gospel, he brings them back to light. That's almost like the harrowing of hell. Like Adam and Eve are stuck in the darkness and Jesus comes and brings them back into the light, you know? Um, and so he's stuck in the darkness, just like, you know, Adam and Eve are after their sin, or all of us in our sin. And, you know, our life and all of our immortality is brought to the light by the opening of our eyes, you know, to the good news. Um, yeah. You yeah. Know. I mean, that's certainly how I would read it. You know, we, we, we look at that verse from St. Paul, you know, through, through one man's sin, entered the world and through sin death like mm-hmm. yeah absolutely this is these are there's a progression here that we need to recover this this um this purity if you will this mm-hmm. this original uh, immortal life that we had with the lord in the garden yeah yeah for no, sure no, yeah there's a recovery great. of that gar- of that of, of eden so what I love about what you what you brought out in that verse is that the word light then connects the Alleluia verse to the gospel, that, mm-hmm. you know, opening your eyes to the truth, opening your eyes to the gospel, opening your eyes to light uh, itself, and in so doing, then receiving eternal life, immortality. Um, that's great. Uh, the first and second readings for me, I, I'm following, are kind of falling on deaf ears. I'm not really well, getting... 
No, I think I think I do think that Jeremiah speaks to that in a sense. You know, he's talking about calling people, bringing them back. You know, this is the this is the work of the gospel that we are bringing people back from the land of the dead. Hmm. You know, going back to your image of the harrowing of hell. Like, th- <laughs> here is a people that have fallen, they have departed in tears. Okay, but I will console them and guide them, and I will lead them back. Not me, obviously, Jesus, um, but Jesus through me, right? through you, through us as the priest, as the church. Um, like, I think, I think there is this sense of being called. And, you know, Hebrews talks about, you know, the high, Hebrews always goes on and on about the high priest, which is awesome. Um, but I think it's, it's um, to what I was saying about the gospel, that it's not just about you and Jesus, that there's a mediation that has to happen through, through the church. Yeah, yeah. Through the people calling out from you, calling you to return, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and for us as Catholics, that comes typically through through the person of, of the priest. Right, right. No, that's good. I, I guess the, what you've helped me see with Jeremiah is that it's that's the dynamic of the Alleluia-verse of the movement from ignorance into knowledge, from darkness mm-hmm. into light, is that it's very active. He's speaking in the first person, I will bring them back, I will yeah. lead them, yeah. I will gather them. Like, that's the work of the Savior. Like, he's doing the, th- the thing that he says he's going to do. Like, that's the bringing from darkness into light, you know? Um, yeah, and that's very beautiful. I think the one the one thing from the second reading that does stand out to me um, in a similar way is that if you want to talk about that dynamic of what it means for Jesus to save us, how does he save us, I think one thing to add in terms of the quality of his actions is that he does so patiently, you know, uh, with us. He says he's able to deal patiently with the ignorant and erring. It's like, well, ignorant and erring, raise your hand. And it's like, okay, that's me, yeah. you know? And Jesus is able to deal with me patiently, you know, as he's bringing me back, as he's helping gather me and lead me to brooks of water. He does so with great patience, bringing me from darkness into the light. Um you know, that patience that he has in the gospel with Bartimaeus. It's like, take courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. What do you want me to do for you? Like, that's not yeah. condescension. Jesus isn't being patronizing. He means it out of patience. He, he wants to love you into into getting your heart's desire, you know, if has, your heart's desire is to see the Lord, you know? Um, anyway, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's incredibly important. And one of the, you know, just as kind of a last a last thought, I think there's something that this second reading in particular um, reminds us of that we really don't like to look at, that in fact I think we shy away from intentionally. And that is to say, it was not Christ who glorified himself in becoming high priest, but rather the one who said to him, you are my son. Hmm. Jesus is obedient to the Father. Yeah. We don't like being obedient to anybody. Right. And like, I'm, you know, and this goes, again, goes back to what I was saying earlier about this dynamic between, it's just about me and Jesus, me and God, you know, everybody else can, you know, go to wherever. It's like, no, <laughs> there is an obedience that each one of us, whether you're priest or, or lay or, not, or whatever, whatever, yeah. we are all called to be obedient to the right. one who said to us, you are my son, you are my daughter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's hard to do. And we don't like we don't like putting ourselves below anyone these this day and age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's good. I mean, the the call him like there is obedience, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
like it seems to me, and this is maybe my, my final thought, is that what's crystallizing me with Mark's gospel here is that it may be more of a story about the crowd and less about Bartimaeus, you know, or yeah. at least, yeah. you know. No, but I can it, see that. I can see that. You know, um, how Jesus is helping them come back. You know, he's bringing them back um, mm-hmm. from their ignorance, from their rebuking, telling him to be silent, you know. Um, no, that's good. That's good. I mean, it's clearly also about Bartimaeus, but it just it's nice to have that yeah. other nuance there. It's like these aren't just yeah. bystanders. Yeah, yeah, man. I I tell you what, this these readings have come so much more alive in our conversation than I realized. Yeah. Just in this kind of dynamic between who are we in light of being members of this body of the church? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's such a dynamic relationship that we can forget about. Oh, totally. and lose sight of. Oh, totally. It's like no, we're constantly being called back to live as members, members in this one body. Yeah. Amen. Cool, man. With that, till next time. Hey, pal. All right, dude. Peace out.